It's series 14 of our media cast. Stay tuned for the last 10 minutes where we overview our current, future and past series. This one is on Euro 2024 qualifying. We're looking at Group D, Croatia, Wales, Armenia, Turkey and Latvia. Here we go. It's the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada, and I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor, and today we will be looking at Group D for Euro 2024 qualifying. This group includes Croatia, Wales, Armenia, Turkey, and Latvia. So this series features a deep dive into the history of Euro Cup qualifying for each of the teams, and we'll cover the usual information. Yeah, let's look at the three sections that we're going to cover in this podcast. So uh, part one, we'll introduce the teams in the group. And part two, we'll do an in-depth team-by-team overview. Uh, This series uh, features a deep dive into their Euro qualifying history. And then part three will be a summary and comparison of the teams. And we'll end with a discussion of their prospects and our predictions. All right, before we begin... Uh, Tell me something, Kevin, that will get me into this group. Okay, well, uh, this is an interesting group in that um, all the teams are moving in different directions in recent form. So uh, a couple of teams have momentum that seems to be going up and some seem to be going down. So that could upset the expectations in the group. Are you intrigued? Interesting, yeah. All right, let's jump into it. Okay, let's do that. So uh, we begin with an overview uh, of the groups, or sorry, of the teams. This is more an overview of the countries. Yeah, so the pot one team is Croatia. Uh, They're nicknamed uh, the checkered ones, also the blazers or the fiery ones. Croatia is a former member of Yugoslavia, and it sits across the Adriatic Sea from Italy, and it has a population of 4 million people. Yeah, do you hear that nickname being used much? Um, the checkered one's probably the most, which is an obvious reflection of their jerseys. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, you definitely see the red and white uh, checkered uh, uh, shirts and flags. Uh, I'm not sure how popular the actual name is, at least in English. How about Wales? All right. Um, Wales are the dragons. and You can just scroll down on the graphic. Oh, yes, um, yeah. So Wales are one of the countries that makes up the United Kingdom, uh, jutting out from the west of England. Um, And its population is 3.2 million, so a little smaller than Croatia. Okay, and did we do the nickname for them? We did, the Dragons. And uh, how often is that used? Yeah, pretty regularly, both in English and Welsh. Yeah, you would know, having lived there Hmm. for a bit. Uh, Armenia, next. Yes, so Armenia is a small country at the... Uh, far eastern edge of Europe, uh, sitting between the Black and the Caspian Seas. Um, their nickname is Ararat, a reference to the, the biblical mountain in the country. And they uh, have a population of 2.8 million, so again, a bit smaller than Wales. Okay, Armenia. Uh, on to Turkey. So Turkey, their nickname is the Crescent Stars, a reference to their flag. Um, They're a large country at the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea, bridging the gap between Europe and Asia. And they're uh, a large country in terms of population, 84 million. Wow. Okay. And finally, we have Latvia. 
Latvia, their nickname is the 11 Vilki or 11 Wolves. Um, they're a small state in northeastern Europe across the Baltic Sea from Sweden. Uh, Latvia is also a former member of the USSR. And they have a population of uh, 1.8 million, um, so the smallest uh, country in the group. Um, and what we see is actually four relatively small countries in terms of population, all 4 million or less, and then uh, Turkey at 84 million, uh, dwarfing um, <laughs> the others. Yeah, I didn't realize that actually Croatia was pretty much as small as, uh, uh, as the other four, or at least uh, Wales and Armenia. Uh, just a little bit bigger, so they've really uh, done well for a country of that size. Yeah, it really highlights their recent achievements. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get into part two. So we're going to start with kind of, uh, you know, an overview of their part participation and major achievements. So um, they can make some claim to the record of Yugoslavia and its reputation. Uh, but officially, according to FIFA, that record belongs to uh, Serbia. Uh, Serbians make up about 40% of the old Yugoslavia, while Croatia, uh, despite having provided many players, made on only 20%. So uh, it should be noted that they played some games as a semi-independent nation in 1918 and 19, uh, and also in 1941 and 1945. And technically, their first official game uh, may be cited during those periods. But they've done far better than the larger Serbia, and in performance at least, they do seem more like the descendants of Yugoslavia. Uh, we won't go into that history uh, here, but they uh, do have a long and fearsome uh, history, though it is intermittent, uh, an in intermittent reputation, which we'll see also in Croatia's record too. So Croatia declared independence in 1992, but they were not able to enter qualification in time for the 1994 World Cup. So their first tournament as Croatia was in the 1996 Euro Cup. And they have maintained their Yugoslavia's tradition of never failing to participate in either cup. In terms of achievement, their World Cup record is uh, stunning over their relatively short history. Uh, they have two third-place finishes in the 1998 and 2022 World Cups, but their best result is their second-place finish in the 2018 World Cup. Uh, Euro Cups, on the other hand, uh, aren't nearly as impressive with uh, just quarter-final finishes in 1996 and 2008 as their best showings. Uh, okay, well, let's move on to the uh, World Cup overview. Do you want to take that one, Connor? Yeah. So uh, Yugoslavia's record descends to Serbia, as you said, though, though Croatia does seem to follow it um, in their up-and-down success. Uh, Croatia stormed into third place in the 1998 World Cup, their first World Cup as an independent nation. After that, though, they didn't make it beyond the group stage and failed to even reach the tournament in 2010. They returned in 2014 to a group stage finish. Their second place finish in 2018 was considered a one-off surprise as that squad seemed to be aging out by 2022, but uh, they made a mockery of that with the third place finish. Uh, again, a remarkable record, as we said, for a country of less than 4 million people. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, we're going to go right down to the Euro Cup overview. Uh, that's more the focus of this series. Uh, so let's uh, take a look 
And Yugoslavia's Euro Cup record had started well uh, in 1960 with two second place finishes in the first three cups. Uh, but after that, they were fairly weak in both cups, uh, except for a period around 1975 where they did well uh, in each of the cups, actually. Uh, otherwise, uh, Yugoslavia qualified only half the time. Now, when Croatia joined in 1996, that was the year the cup expanded to 16 teams, so it afforded them a bit more opportunity. But still, they failed to qualify in 2000, and they were knocked out at the group stage in 2008 and 2012. Uh, in all other cases, they reached only one step beyond the group stage. Uh, even in 2020, which was sandwiched by the uh, two excellent World Cup results, they only made the round of 16 uh, in that tournament. Uh, okay, um, let us uh, take a deep dive into Euro Cup qualifying. And do you want to start us off, Connor? Sure. So Croatia's first tournament as a nation separate from Yugoslavia was in 1996. They impressed there, finishing first uh, ahead of Italy in a group of six teams. They bested Italy, winning on the road and tying at home, but showed some fragility in their road record, which becomes a theme of their story. Uh, most notably a tie with surprise third-place finishers, Lithuania. All right. The next campaign was in 2000. Uh, that was the only time they failed to qualify. They remained strong at home, suffering only a draw in the last game, but an opening loss in Ireland uh, combined with ties in FR Yugoslavia and Macedonia meant a third-place finish. Uh, only two points separated first and third, but FR Yugoslavia and Ireland finished ahead. 2004 was also a poor start, tying lowly Estonia at home and losing in Bulgaria. However, a home win over Belgium set them on course to win five of their six remaining games, losing only in Belgium. They finished ahead of them in second, which took them to a playoff with Slovenia. That started poorly with a home draw, but a 1-0 win in the away leg saw them through. All right. Well, 2008 was much more convincing. Uh, it started with a draw in Russia, uh, and that was the only team they dropped points to at home, um, also drawing them there. Uh, they otherwise won all games in the 17 group, except for a loss in Macedonia. Uh, this included home and away wins over England, who finished third and failed to qualify. Uh, that consistency saw them finishing five points ahead of second place Russia. 2012 saw them finishing second behind Greece, who bested them. Uh, they still might have won, and it came down to the last game where Georgia, uh, who had beaten them, decided matters. A Georgia win would have seen uh, Croatia finish first, but two late goals gave Greece the win and first place. It was the playoffs again, but Croatia won once more this time over Turkey, to reach the cup again. All right. Well, Italy was the main competitor in 2016. Uh, they tied both legs in their heads-to-heads, -heads, uh, but they didn't share points equally. Uh, playing at home behind closed doors due to crowd problems in their previous game, Croatia was embarrassed to find a swastika shaved into the grass, uh, leading to a one-point deduction. Uh, but it was inconsistency actually on the road that cost them. Uh, a tie in Azerbaijan and a loss in Norway uh, left them in second place. However, this was an advancing position uh, in the 16 group. 
uh, because the cup had been newly expanded. And then 2020 was a comfortable first place finish despite a poor road record. A loss in Hungary was followed by ties in Azerbaijan and Wales. However, winning all games at home proved uh, enough for a first place finish, three points ahead of Wales who also advanced automatically. Uh, yeah, that's right. And actually, we're going to take a closer look at that tournament because our next section is kind of a recent history. And so we're going to uh, kind of talk about the campaign and also the cup uh, in detail. So um, let's uh, take a look. Do you want to do the uh, round one of qualifying? There was only one round, but... Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, Croatia won a type group uh, unconvincingly, though, um, as World Cup finalists. Uh, they, Wales, Slovakia, and Hungary were separated by only five points. Um, as I said, they won all at home, but got only one point, uh, or sorry, but only won one game um, on the road, tying even Azerbaijan and losing to Hungary. Uh, in the tournament, they lost to England in their opener, but tied Czech Republic and beat Scotland to finish second in the group. They scored two late goals um, to bring a dominant Spain to extra time in the round of 16, um, but two goals for Spain during that period put them out. All right, uh, that is the Euro Cup in 2020. And um, let's take a look now at the World Cup, uh, which has just passed in 2022. Uh, so qualification there started with a loss in fourth place finisher Slovenia, uh, but it turned out to be their only loss and they otherwise only tied Russia away and Slovakia at home. Uh, those two finishing behind them respectively. Um, they finished a tight first place in their qualifying group. Uh, Russia only a point behind there. Um, they weren't given great hope going into the tournament because the squad that finished second uh, in the previous tournament in 2018 were now considered kind of aged. Uh, that seemed borne out somewhat in the group stage uh, when they tied Morocco and Belgium in addition to an unexpected win, oh, uh, sorry, an expected win over Canada, though they did give up that early goal, if you recall. Anyway, it was a second place finish in the group stage. Uh, overall, it was partially gifted by a poor performance from Belgium. Uh, however, in the uh, final stages, um, they beat uh, Japan on penalties and then they beat Brazil on penalties. Um, proving skeptics wrong about uh, the aging issue. Uh, however, they were no match for eventual champions Argentina in the semi-final, uh, but they won the third place game to take a uh, uh, to take third place. That was their second meeting uh, in the tournament with Morocco. Yeah, great performance from Croatia. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I think in the podcast before we were. We were getting flack from Croatian fans about talking about their aging. Connor, but do you still think it's a, a, an issue for them? I think it's, yeah, more of an issue now. I think we'll talk a little bit about their players, but, um, you know, obviously a lot of players in their 30s were still performing at a high level. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the new generation brings. It is a problem that they'll have to address um, sooner rather than later, mostly, most notably with Modric, who is uh, 37 and a real talisman for them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, we'll get into that later. <laughs> we kind of got to resist the temptation mm -hmm. to uh, 
to chat about it. Let's take a look at their most recent campaign, or actually it finished most recently. That was the 2022-23 UEFA Nations League. Uh, they were in group, uh, sorry, they were in League A there. Uh, do you want to take us through their performance? Yeah, they started with a loss at home to Austria, who finished wow. bottom, um, and then tied at home with France. But then impressively, they won in Denmark and in France, and then finally against Denmark and Austria again to finish first in their group. Um, so, yeah, rounding off an, an, a very impressive 2022 for them. They will be competing in the final four um, in June. Yeah, I think part of the reason we... we... Uh, we're thinking they were weak going into the World Cup was that poor start there, but uh, they sure turned that around. We're just going to make a quick comment on their players without getting into the weeds, but we'll say, um, uh, despite their defiance of cynicism towards their aging team from us, guilty, culpable, uh, their age is still a concern. Uh, as you said, Modric is 37. Uh, Ivan Perisic and Dejan Lovren and uh, Vida are, are all 33 years old. And then Kramaric and Brozovic are 31 and 30 respectively. So these are really the players that carried them uh, uh, through the cup. Uh, Guardiola, uh, the defenseman, was also good. So he represents some youth on the team. Um, but these are the uh, most influential players. So it does seem something... Uh, like something they'll have to deal with. Do you think those players will make it to the uh, finals of the 2024 Euro Cup? I think some of them will. And I think the success for Croatia is whether they can bring in some good young players. Guardiola is an example of that. Um, if they can keep bringing in players at that level, then, then they'll have a chance. But it, it does require a refresh for sure. Yeah. Well, perhaps we'll get more uh, into that in our discussion in part three. But for now, let's move on to Wales. And uh, we'll just take a glance at their overall participation and major achievements. So their first international game was way back in 1876. Wow, Connor, I didn't even know soccer existed. Yeah, then. that must make them one of the oldest teams. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, they played their first international game then. Uh, and actually, that makes them the third oldest soccer country. Um, they were part of the British home nations uh, that withdrew from FIFA in 1928, and they were thus not involved in any of the pre-war World Cups. Uh, that group rejoined FIFA in 1946, um, but Wales first entered the World Cup in 1950 and the Euro Cup in its second edition in 1964, and they participated uh, consistently since then. So their best achievement in the World Cup was in 1958, where they actually passed the group stage and uh, reached the quarterfinals. But then they didn't reach um, the World Cup again until uh, 2022. As far as the Euro Cup goes, they never uh, reached a Euro Cup until 2016. But once again, uh, once they got there, they passed the semifinals uh, sorry, they passed the group stage and a, a fantastic performance reaching the semi-finals there in 2016. So those are their uh, big achievements. And let's move on to a closer look at the World Cup history or a closer overview. Yes, yeah, so their, their appearance in their um, only World Cup finals until modern times was by a strange stroke of luck um, involving everyone refusing to play Israel. Um, in a qualifier, but Wales accepted and won um, to reach the 1958 World Cup. And then in the group tied all games 
uh, requiring a special playoff where they beat uh, the recently mighty Hungary, um, and that led them to a quarterfinals where they lost to uh, Brazil. Uh, they came close to qualifying in 1962 and closer still in 1966, but from that time they have steadily slipped to third, then fourth, then fifth place finishes uh, in 2006 and 2014. A good generation emerged after that, which saw them finish third in qualifying for 2018 and second in 2022. That second place finish led to a playoff round where they emerged victorious, qualifying for their second World Cup uh, in Qatar, uh, where they fell at the group stage. All right. Well, we'll take a closer look at that uh, recent tournament, but let's move on to the uh, uh, Euro Cup. And this is uh, actually an overview. Um just let me correct that on the graphic. Uh, okay, Euro Cup overview. So despite never qualifying for the Euro Cup until 2016, uh, when it was expanded to 24 teams, they uh, four times they were one step away. So they reached their final playoffs in 1976 and 2004 and finished second in their qualifying group in 1984 and 1992. Uh, they fell precipitously in 1996, finishing a, same, a shameful sixth of six in a group. And apart from 2004, they didn't finish higher than fourth after that. So their qualification in 2016 uh, came as a bit of a surprise. But in another sense, it was long in coming. And uh, as in the 1958 World Cup, they made the best of it uh, here reaching the semifinals. And uh, they did well in 2022, reaching the rounds of 16. Okay, we're going to uh, take a deep dive into the qualifying history. And do you want to start us off there? Yeah. So Wales is an unpredictable team that have finished everywhere from first to last in the table. Uh, they can take points from strong teams away or lose to weak teams at home. Um, Wales did not enter the first edition of the Cup in 1960, but did so in 1964, uh, where they fell to Hungary in a preliminary round. They finished uh, third of four over the next two tournaments, 1968, uh, actually a combination of results from the two previous British home championships. Uh, 1972 was among uh, European teams, but they were no match. Um, in each, a home draw with one of the top teams was as well as they did. Uh, all right. Well, 1976 was an impressive qualification, though. Uh, they lost in Austria in their opener, but they went on to win all games to finish in first ahead of Hungary. Uh, but that only earned them a playoff spot. Uh, qualification was very tough um, in the early days because it was just a four-team tournament. Uh, in that playoff, they lost the first leg away and uh, earned a tie in, a, in the home leg, which was called Comfort, uh, Yugoslavia. Uh, taking the prize there. Uh, 1984 would be a, a closer battle with Yugoslavia, um, but having finished third behind West Germany and Turkey in 1980, they announced a more competitive uh, 1984 campaign with a 4-4 draw uh, in Yugoslavia. They also tied them at home, but were undone in the second last game by a loss to Bulgaria. They finished a point behind Yugoslavia, with only the top team going through to the eight-team tournament. Yeah, Wales is kind of famous for quirky results like a 4-4 draw. Uh, but moving on, in 1988, uh, that year saw them undefeated at home, but a single tie on the road landed them in uh, third place. Uh, 
1992 was even more extreme in home and away difference. They won all of their games at home, even over first place Germany, who were in the process of reuniting with East Germany. Uh, on the road, though, it was once again a single point that they earned. Uh, nevertheless, had they not lost to Luxembourg in their opener, they might have beaten Germany, uh, who they finished only one point behind. Wow. Um, yeah. True to their unpredictable form, uh, they did earn uh, a draw in Germany um, in that campaign, and 2000 um, saw them win in Denmark, which was the only good result in a fourth or fifth finish. Um, 2004 was much better, though. Um, a competitive second-place finish uh, featured a home win over Italy and set them to a playoff where they tied Russia in the first leg. However, they lost the second leg at home, um, appeals of Russia using an illegal player uh, falling on deaf ears. Yeah, well, that was as close as they uh, had come to reaching a cup, and that would remain the case over the next two campaigns. Uh, 2008 was actually the height of their unpredictability. Get this, Connor. Uh, best exemplified by uh, a 5-1 loss to Slovakia at home. And then later in the campaign, they won 5-2 away. That is so bizarre. Yeah. Anyway, in that 2008 qualification, they finished uh, fifth of seventh. Fifth of seven um, there. And uh, in 2012, they finished uh, fourth of five. Yeah, but uh, 2012 was interesting in that they lost the first four games, but won three of the last four. That was a sign of an emerging generation that would see them uh, reach the, the heights of success. That, uh, rather than the cup expanding to 24 teams, was the reason they qualified in 2016. Um, a 16-group where they suffered only a single loss, um, it was a consistent campaign despite a lapse at home, uh, tying Israel, who they had beaten away. Regardless, second place was an automatic advancing spot for the uh, expanded edition. All right, well, that golden generation uh, engineered another automatic qualification in 2020. And uh, maybe we'll just jump straight to the, uh, uh, straight to the um, closer look at that in the recent history section. So do you want to talk us through the Euro 2020 campaign? Yeah, so um, Wales were bested by Croatia, who they meet here, um, and finished behind them. Um, but second in the qualifying group um, was enough for an automatic place to the finals. Um, they lost uh, in fourth place Hungary in qualifying and tied in third place Slovenia, but they otherwise uh, won all games, um, beating uh, bottom finisher Azerbaijan twice. Uh, in the tournament, Wales tied Switzerland and beat Turkey before losing to eventual champions Italy to finish second in the group stage. Um, there, though, they lost heavily to semi-finalist Denmark, uh, for nothing uh, in the round of 16. Mm -hmm. Yes, we were all sad about that. Um, let's move on to the World Cup in 2022. So uh, as far as qualification goes, a tie in uh, a tie at home to Estonia was the only lapse in qualifying. But uh, they were bested by Belgium, who finished uh, first there. A tie in the last game with Belgium, though, uh, gave them enough to finish in second ahead of Czech Republic, who they had bested. Uh, that sent them to the regional playoffs, where they beat Austria and then Ukraine uh, to reach the cup. Um, 
So they tied their opener in the cup in the group stage uh, with USA, and they seem to be heading for a scoreless draw with Iran uh, until a red card to their goalkeeper paved the way for Iran to score two late goals. A third game, uh, a third game saw a loss to England, which meant uh, last place in the group stage there. So uh, they didn't advance to the uh, beyond the group stage like they did in 1958. Any comments on that tournament, Connor? Uh, yeah, filled with kind of hope and promise because it always advanced from a group stage whenever they made a tournament, but uh, yeah, not to be in this case. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the uh, UEFA uh, Nations League in 2023. They were, uh, because of that golden generation, in League A uh, this time. Do you want to take us through their performance there? Yeah, it was their first time competing in League A, but they ended up proving... Uh, kind of out of their depth. Um, they lost all games um, to Poland, Belgium, and Netherlands, uh, save for a 1-1 draw at home with Belgium, a team they actually do quite well against. Yeah, they're yeah, a bit just, of a nemesis to Belgium. Yeah, they are. Um, but it was just one point, and so relegation back to League C, or sorry, to League B. Yeah, so they'll be playing in uh, League B uh, next time around. Okay, well, let's take a quick look at their players before we move on. And uh, the golden generation seemed, uh, well, maybe putting it too strongly, but abruptly over with their ghastly performance in the 2023, 22-23 uh, Nations League that we just looked at and, and the sputtering performance in the 2022 uh, World Cup. The question is, uh, to what extent can they rebuild? So Gareth Bale and Joe Allen are gone, but it seems that Ramsey and uh, Davies, Ben Davies, remain. Uh, most of the squad is quite young, and they do have some good talent. Uh, the poster boys for which are Brennan Johnson and Nico Williams, uh, both 21 years old. Uh, comments, Connor? Yeah, I mean, Wales do have some good young players coming through. A lot of them play at the championship level or, or lower Premier League clubs. So um, I guess the question is whether those young stars can, you know, being from that level, can compete with some of the big countries as they've, you know, been fortunate to be doing for the last several years. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think they'll be passing the group stage regularly. But with the cup expanded, they may be uh, reaching the cup. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, Armenia, Armenia, and um, we'll begin with a kind of an overview of their participation and major achievements. So, uh, Armenia was a founding member of the Soviet Union in 1922 and uh, did not play as an independent nation until the breakup. In 1992, they were part of a restructured Soviet Union team called the uh, Commonwealth of Independent States, or the CIS, and they played their first international uh, game uh, in 1992. So they first entered the Euro Cup from 1996 and the World Cup from 1998. They have never qualified, but they uh, show improvement finishing in the top half of the table for the first time in Euro 2012 uh, qualification, where they finished third of sixth. However, they fell back to the bottom of the table or uh, the bottom half of the table after that. Let's take a look at the uh, World Cup history a bit more closely. Yeah, so their formation in late 1992 was too late for them to enter for qualifying for the 1994 World Cup. Uh, so they first entered qualification in 1998. 
They have never finished in the top half of the table in a World Cup qualifying group, um, but campaigns range from feeble to competitive. Uh, their most competitive was their first in 1998, where they finished fourth of six. Only in 2022 did they achieve that result again. Right, but we're more focused on the uh, Euro Cup, so let's give an overview of that. Uh, Euro campaigns are actually weaker in general than World Cup campaigns. Uh, in Euro Cup, they finished bottom or second bottom of the table, uh, with that notable exception of 2012, uh, their best campaign in either competition. Uh, here, too, current times promise improvement as their 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League campaign um, was impressive. We'll take a look at that uh, later. And that actually may play a role in their hopes for reaching the uh, 2024 Euro Cup. Uh, okay, so we're going to look at their uh, um, qualifying history in detail here. All right, so... Uh, 1996 was their first campaign in either cup, um, and both that and 2000 were, were unremarkable. Um, they were somewhat competitive uh, in 1996 with Macedonia, uh, who they bested, and Cyprus, who bested them, but they finished last of six, two points behind both. 2000 saw one good result at home, uh, a tie against Ukraine, uh, but finishing above last place was no great feat. Uh, since it was ahead of the feeble Andorra, who they beat twice. Yeah, second uh, second last in 2004, though, was actually impressive uh, because it was ahead of Northern Ireland, who they beat twice. Uh, they once again tied Ukraine at home in the campaign opener uh, and finished just three points behind them. 2008 was the same uh, result in a massive eight-team group, uh, but it could have been much better. Uh, they finished ahead of Azerbaijan, but did not actually play their neighbors to the east. Um, <coughs> a politicized land dispute spilling over um, into failures to agree on venues and security issues, uh, causing UEFA to punish both by cancelling their head-to-head -head games. Armenia was impressive at home, beating group winners Poland and tying Portugal and Serbia. However, having beaten Kazakhstan on the road for their only away points, they lost at home to them in the final game and finished a point behind. Uh, with the win there and points against Azerbaijan, they might have challenged Belgium for fifth. Yes, uh, well, that stronger performance came to some fruition in 2012. Uh, it started with a home loss to Ireland, uh, but that would be their only home loss. Uh, they beat Slovakia home and away uh, to finish in third place ahead of, uh, ahead of them. A tie at home with Russia was a bit of a feather in their cap, and they went into the last game vying with Ireland for second place. Uh, a win in Ireland, though, was perhaps too much to ask, and uh, third place uh, was where they landed, but a pretty impressive campaign there. Yeah, so that proved a, a peak in their history uh, with a steep fall-off in 2016. Uh, there they tied Denmark and Serbia at home, um, but otherwise lost all games for a last-place finish. And uh, we'll take a look at uh, 2020 in a bit more detail. Okay, well, let's jump right into their recent history then. And um, uh, I'll say they came fifth ahead of Liechtenstein, to whom they suffered an embarrassing uh, away draw. Uh, they won in Greece and, uh, and at home also against Bosnia and Herzegovina, but otherwise they lost uh, to all the teams above them. Um, 
Italy and Finland uh, topping the group there. They came uh, fifth of sixth. Okay, on to the uh, World Cup 2022 qualification. So it uh, started well with a win in Liechtenstein and home wins over Iceland and Romania. Um, and even a draw in North Macedonia was good, leaving them first place after four games. Uh, but they earned only two draws in the six games after that um, and were thrashed in Germany and at home uh, to North Macedonia. So they finished ahead of Iceland, um, fourth of six in the qualifying group, um, having come in as a fifth seed. So I guess some, you know, some good performances, but uh, six points behind North Macedonia in the qualifying spot. Yeah, that uh, game against Romania was pretty interesting. Um, uh, Romania got a red card at 78, and uh, Armenia uh, engineered a last-minute comeback to win. They scored at 86 to equalize, and then on a penalty at 89 to win. Woohoo! But uh, that was their last win in the campaign, unfortunately. Okay, well, let's see how they've done more recently in the 2023, uh, 22-23 UEFA Nations League. They were in uh, League B here. Yeah, um, and actually a little bit similar to their World Cup qualification, that it started well, a 1-0 win over Ireland, uh, but then they actually lost five straight um, and finished behind Scotland and Ukraine as well uh, with just three points. So they have been relegated to League C um, for the next edition. Yeah, and I should point out, actually, it was uh, their performance in the previous UEFA Nations League that earned them promotion to League B. That's why they were seeded third here uh, ahead of Turkey, which is kind of ridiculous in the grand scheme of things. Okay, well, let's uh, take a quick look at their uh, players. And their star, uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan, announced his retirement just recently in March uh, 2022. So it's hard to say what the impact will be. Uh, he had been with the team since 2007. Uh, interestingly, he was um, only once, though, he was that sole top scorer in a campaign. But uh, you can't help but think that that's got to be a big adjustment for um for Armenia. Uh, recently, uh, a player named Nor Norberto Briasco came on board. He uh, joined the team in 2018, although he only has nine caps. And he's an Argentinian forward who is somehow eligible for uh, Armenia. He plays for Boca Juniors in Argentina. And uh, he's the only one close to the pedigree of Inter Milan, where actually uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan is still playing. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to Turkey and begin with a, uh, a overview of their participation and achievements. So um, they're an old team, so there's a lot to fit on the on the graphic on our YouTube uh, um, version here. But uh, Turkey's involvement with the World Cup. Um, their first involvement was in 1934, although they did withdraw from that tournament and they didn't actually complete a participation uh, of a cup until 1950. Uh, but they also withdrew in 1954, uh, sorry, no, 1950 that same year and in 1958. Um, they had successfully qualified in 1950, but they withdrew and then they actually reached the cup in 1954. 
1962, they participated consistently, and they were also part of the first Euro Cup in 1960 and have never failed to uh, participate in that cup. Uh, okay, well, let's go to the uh, World Cup overview. So Turkey qualified for their first World Cup in 1950, but withdrew, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, they also qualified in 1954, where they were knocked out at the group stage. A long absence from the finals followed, uh, and they were a weak team, always finishing in the bottom half of the table, until they stormed back onto the scene uh, by not only qualifying, but finishing in third place in the 2002 World Cup. Uh, in 2006 and 22, they came close by reaching the final playoff round, um, but in between, they finished mid-table, so they haven't qualified since that 2002 achievement. Right, and uh, that's kind of interesting. In, in their only two cups, uh, uh, the unlikely South Korea featured. Uh, they beat them 7 nothing in 1954. Uh, and um, do you remember what happened in 2002 with South Korea? Yeah, they met them in that third-place game. Yeah, yeah, when uh, South Korea was hosting. So, uh, ironically, in uh, both tournaments, uh, South Korea has featured for them. So they've actually developed a bit of a relationship. I know uh, when I lived in South Korea that uh, the um, they developed even some economic ties with Turkey as a result of that 2002 uh, event. Okay, let's move on to an overview of the Euro Cup. So uh, their success in 2002 actually was less of a surprise uh, when we look at their Euro campaigns around that time. Uh, from the beginning of Euro competition in 1960, they were weak and they never qualified in the early years, uh, 1980 being their only competitive uh, campaign. Uh, 1996, though, was their first qualification, and they went on to reach the quarterfinals in 2000, uh, which foreshadowed their success in the following World Cup. Unlike uh, World Cups, though, they've continued to qualify more often than not, and when they fail, they have come close, reaching at least the UEFA playoff every time since 1996. Uh, their best showing was in 2008, which saw... Uh, a thrilling run to the semi-final of the uh, Euro Cup that year in 2008. But uh, since then, they haven't been able to pass uh, the group stage. All right, well, let's take a closer look at that qualifying history. Yeah, so Turkey entered the first Euro Cup in 1960 and have never failed to complete qualification. They were weak in the early years, though, uh, getting knocked out in preliminary rounds, but they improved steadily at least until 1980. Um, 1968 was the first group qualification, and they went uh, undefeated at home. However, they lost all on the road um, and finished last in the group. Uh, 1972 was slightly better with a third-place finish uh, over Albania, um, and in 1976, it was third ahead of Switzerland. Uh, 1980 was a second-place finish uh, ahead of Wales, uh, though it was not enough to earn a spot in the tournament and now expanded to eight teams. Yes, and the pattern uh, reversed then uh, into steady decline, finishing fourth in 1984, fourth of fifth, and uh, uh, that was despite winning um, all but one game at home. And 1988 was positively grim. Uh, they earned only two points on home draws uh, there, 
and in 1992, worse still, uh, where they lost all games to finish uh, dead last in the group. Turkey bounced back in 1996, uh, the year the tournament expanded to 16 teams. Most surprising was their undefeated record on the road. They finished second behind Switzerland, who they had bested, uh, but they qualified as one of the top six runners-up. 2000 was a very similar pattern and saw them reach a playoff um, and advance uh, over Ireland there. Uh, 2004 also saw them reach the playoff, um, but they lost to an uncharacteristically hot Latvia, who they meet again in this group. Yeah, I guess they have uh, something to prove here. Uh, a big 17, uh, seven team group in 2008 saw them beat as well as drop points to all other teams in the group. And that included draws in Mold uh, Moldova and Malta. But uh, second place there earned them automatic qualification where they went on to their most successful uh, cup performance. Uh, 2012 was a step back though, uh, vying in the middle of the table with Belgium and Austria, but nevertheless reaching a playoff, uh, which they lost to Croatia, though uh, they meet them here too. 2016 started poorly with two losses, um, but they were undefeated in the following eight games. Nemesis Latvia tied them twice, um, but the only other draw was with the Netherlands. They twice beat Czech Republic and Iceland. Um, those two teams topped the group, um, but the tournament, newly expanded to 24 teams, afforded their third place finish uh, out of six an automatic spot. All right, well, that creates a bit of intrigue with uh, Latvia in this tournament. And we're going to jump over the overview of 2020 and instead uh, take a look at it in detail. So uh, do you want to take this one, Connor? Sure. Um, so Turkey in uh, 2020 uh, bested first place France, um, but were themselves bested by third place Iceland, um, which resulted um, in them finishing second in the qualifying group. Otherwise, they won all their games against bottom half teams, Albania, Andorra, and Moldova. Uh, they lost uh, all games by a two-goal margin or more in the tournament, though, to Italy, Wales, and Switzerland, and finished last in the group. So a, a poor performance um, at the Euros. Right. And uh, as we know, they meet Wales again here. So they're meeting up with a lot of people they, they might have, uh, they might be sharpening their knives for. Hey? Mm -hmm. Let's take a look at the World Cup 2022. So they beat Netherlands at home in their opener there. Uh, and that was a good start. And um, their only loss, though, was uh, in the reverse leg against Netherlands, where they took a 6-1 thrashing. Uh, their only ties were at home to the teams below. Uh, they tied Norway, Montenegro, and Latvia, Latvia again, uh, for a second-place finish in the qualifying group. They did well on the road, actually, winning all games except for that thrashing there in the Netherlands. Uh, so the second place finish brought them to a regional playoff, um, but they lost uh, that. Um, they lost uh, the semi-final of that playoff to Portugal, so uh, didn't reach the World Cup there. Yeah, they'll be kicking themselves for those draws at home against weaker opposition because they only were two points behind the Netherlands to qualify automatically for the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely, hey. Uh, could have been another World Cup for them. 
All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the recent 2022-23 uh, UEFA Nations League. They were actually in Group C there, which may help to explain uh, why they are part four here behind Armenia. How did they do in Group C? Yeah, their competition was Luxembourg, Faroe Islands, and Lithuania. Oh. Um, and Turkey won uh, four of their six games, um, tying at home to Luxembourg and losing to Faroe Islands. Um, but still, it was good enough for a first-place finish in the group, so they've been promoted to League B. Right. Well, they won their first four, and I, I, I believe that the first four were played before the World Cup and the last two were after. Am I right there? Or No, the last two were in the, uh, September. Yes, that's right. So I think they were all played before the World Cup. Yeah, so really those were their, their last uh, two games. I think they might have had a, a friendly or two since, but that's uh, uh, that's not good going into the World Cup, is it? Or into the uh, qualifying here? No. Um, I mean, I think they, they were more or less qualified to promote it at that point, but you're right. Um, home draw with Luxembourg and a loss to Faroe Islands is not, yeah. Yeah, 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 you're right. They may have been uh, fielding weak players. Let's take a look at their players, actually. A quick look. Actually, they have a fairly uh, strong-looking squad uh, with some top players in uh, Hakan Kalanoglu, uh, who plays for Inter Milan, and Saleh Alzkan, who plays for Borussia Dortmund. Uh, they're 29 years old and 25 years old, uh, respectively. Uh, they have many players with top second-tier uh, second tier clubs uh, and that includes the top clubs in Italy, uh, sorry in uh, in Turkey like Fenerbahce and um, what are the other clubs in? Yeah Galatasaray, yeah, Galatasaray. Yeah. Uh, Only a couple of these are, are in their 30s um, and we noted in 2020 that they had a, a very young crop uh, so they remain young uh, they remain young and actually now these players are coming into their prime. So at a glance, it seems like um, a crop of players that could improve on their performances. Uh, any comments on Turkey or shall we move on? Yeah, well, you mentioned at the beginning the different directions of teams. And, and I think with some, some recent strong qualification campaigns like the 2022 World Cup um, and even the Euro 2020 um, qualification was good. I think they are a team trending in an upwards direction yeah yeah apart from those uh two losses or two two results at the end but maybe yeah. we shouldn't uh, place too much emphasis on that anyway we'll talk more about that la uh, later meanwhile let's move on to uh, latvia um who played their first international game in 1922 so uh many will be surprised to learn that latvia is a senior team uh that entered the world cup in 1934 uh, they became part of the USSR and came back into FIFA uh, only in the, uh, sorry, came back as an independent nation only in the 1990s. Um, although they re uh, resumed independence in 1991, I was a bit confused by this. They were drafted into that pseudo-Soviet team, uh, the Commonwealth of Independent States, or CIS. Uh, they were part of that for the 1992 Euro Cup. So it was only from 1994 that they once again played as Latvia and have participated in all competitions since then. Uh, they're most known for their shocking Euro Cup qualification in 2004, although that 
proved a bit of a flash in the pan in terms of their overall strength. Uh, okay, let's uh, take a slightly closer look at their World Cup history and overview. Yeah, so a 1938 World Cup qualification saw them win both legs over Lithuania in a preliminary, um, but they were knocked out by a powerful Austria in a single-game qualifying round. They came back in 1994 and have finished in the bottom half of their qualifying groups consistently. They did have a good qualification in 2010, finishing third of six, the only time they finished in the top half of the table. Recent campaigns have been poor, though, and they finished behind Lithuania in 2014, and behind Faroe Islands in 2018. All right. Well, I uh, looks like I made a mistake there. I said they were in the 1934 World Cup, but it's the uh, 1938 uh, that they appeared in. Uh, okay, let's overview their European Cup. So here, too, they've uh, consistently finished in the bottom half of the table, except for that amazing qualification for the 20, uh, 2004, I should say, Euro Cup. Uh, there was no foreshadowing uh, that success, and in fact, they had shamefully tied San Marino at home in a poor two 2002 World Cup campaign uh, prior to that. And uh, after that, they returned to the bottom of bottom half of the table, and uh, from 2016, have actually plumbed new lows, finishing last in their 2016 and 2020 Euro campaigns, having never finished their uh, bottom before then. Uh, we'll take a closer look at that uh, in the uh, deep dive here. Um, so do you want to take it away there? Yeah, so 1996 was Latvia's first Euro Cup as an independent nation, the year the Cup expanded to 16 teams. There they beat Liechtenstein twice uh, to finish in fifth ahead of them, um, but showed promise with an away win in Northern Ireland and a home win over Austria in back-to-back -back games uh, towards the end of the campaign. All right, well, that uh, they took that improvement to a respectable campaign in 2000, where they won three, tied four, and lost only three. Uh, but that finished them uh, fourth of sixth in the table. Uh, away wins over top finisher Norway and third place Greece were the only, uh, uh, sorry, were good results. But uh, only one win at home showed their inconsistency. 2004 was a remarkable campaign. Uh, the only losses were in back-to-back -back games um, in Hungary and at home to Poland. Otherwise, they dropped points uh, in a home draw with Sweden. Um, sorry, they only dropped points in a home draw with Sweden to finish one point behind them in second place. That took them to a playoff with Turkey, uh, who they bested to reach the cup. Right, we saw that in Turkey's record. Uh, in 2008, um, that... Uh, we saw them quickly returning to their standard form. Uh, they beat Iceland twice to finish in fourth ahead of them and ahead of Liechtenstein too. Uh, 2012 was similar, uh, once again finishing fourth, uh, this time ahead of Georgia and Malta. Uh, a home draw with group winners Greece was all they took uh, from any of the three teams uh, above them. While 2008 had oddly featured no draws over 12 games, 2016 had no wins and half draws. More unusual still was that they tied four of their five away games, but only earned a single draw at home. Uh, the result was ghastly, uh, finishing last in the table for the first time in their history. 
2020 uh, was uh, worse still, but we'll take a look at that uh, right away. Uh, thanks. Nice intro. <laughs> nice uh, grim introduction to the 2020 campaign. And um, uh, there they lost all of their games except for a surprise win at home uh, in the last game. And that was over second place Austria. So uh, at least it ended with a, a bit of hope. But they finished a distant last in the group. Uh, uh, Poland won the group and Macedonia, uh, Macedonia, Slovenia and Israel were the teams that finished above them there. So a very uh, a campaign that uh, they would want to forget there. Absolutely, yeah. Let's see how they did in the World Cup qualification after that. So they did much better on the road than they did at home, um, which is something we've seen with them already. Um, a win over Gibraltar um, were their only points um, when they hosted. They only lost to group winner Netherlands on their travels, um, and then they beat Gibraltar and tied Turkey, Norway, and Montenegro, um, but they finished behind those teams. Um, and it was a fifth place out of six in their qualifying group, um, a pointless Gibraltar, the only team below them. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, fifth out of six, but uh, better in terms uh, at the game level there. Uh, let's take a look and see how they did in the 2022-23 UEFA Nations League. Uh, they were in group, uh, sorry, in League D there, so the lowest league. Uh, how did they do, Connor? It started really positively with... Um, winning their first four games um, and then they tied or then they lost to Moldova at home and tied Andorra on the road. Um, Liechtenstein was the other team in the group. Um, so they finished in first place, actually tied on points with Moldova, um, but with a better goal differential. Right. So uh, an, uh, an odd, but mostly meaningless um, mirror of uh, Turkey's uh... Uh, campaign in the mm -hmm. UEFA Nations League, uh, but they did earn graduation to League D, uh, League C, so that's good. And uh, just a short comment on their players here. Actually, most of them play in Latvia, uh, but a few are with teams abroad. Um, but I would say kind of uh, uh, third to second level teams. Uh, Spezia in Italy, have you heard of these? Uh, Widzu Lodz in Poland um, and Jablonek in Czech Republic. Yeah, teams I've heard of, but um, you're right, definitely kind of like third tier teams at best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so there we go. And that brings us to the end of uh, part two. Okay, let's move on to uh, part three. So uh, we're going to begin with the rankings there. And Connor, you're going to take us through that? Yes, yeah, so we'll look at the, the rankings when the draw was made. Um, so that would be in June uh, 2022. Um, so Croatia were 15th in both FIFA and ELO, um, but they were ranked second um, among teams for in UEFA, and that was due to them um, winning their Nations League group. Um, the four League A winners were ranked 1, 2, 3, 4. Um, since then, uh, Croatia have risen to seventh in the world in FIFA rankings. Um, which comes close to their high of fourth back in December 2018. Yeah, that's right. But only 10th in uh, in uh, ELO rankings, which are uh, a bit more conservative, a, a bit more long-term. That's right. Yeah. All right. How about Wales? Um, so Wales are uh, 28th, um, and 
in in FIFA rankings and 39th in ELO. So that had them in 16th uh, in Europe overall. Um, Wales High was 12th back in December 2016, following their impressive uh, Euro 2016 run to the semifinals. Yeah, they took a big drop uh, um, between, uh, I guess, because of the World Cup dropping from 22nd in ELO rankings to 29th, uh, 39th there, but uh, it doesn't seem to have been as severe in their FIFA rankings. Right. Um, Armenia, they're 95th in FIFA and 90th in ELO. They were 31st in Europe at the time of the draw. Um, their ranking of 90th has been, you know, pretty consistent um, in both FIFA and ELO, kind of ranging between the, the 80s and the 100s there. So not, not a lot of change recently. Yeah, uh, I just think the, the uh, short-term UEFA rankings uh, put them ahead of Turkey here, which uh, I think is a bit preposterous to you. A little bit, and again, it might have to do with the um, with their Nations League performance because of because actually they're ranked below Turkey in the standings. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, on to Turkey. Yeah, so Turkey are forty fourth. Uh, in the world 39th according to elo um they were 35th in europe at the time of the draw which is why they were were below armenia um and uh yeah turkey um were as high as 18th and 17th uh, in fifa and elo in 2016 but have kind of dropped since then and have kind of been around the 40th mark for the last couple of years in both systems yeah, interesting that their ELO ranking is exactly the same as Wales, uh, 39th in both. So that looks like it'll be a good head-to-head -head battle. Mm -hmm. And then finally for Latvia, they're 133rd um, in FIFA and 117th in ELO. Um, actually, in this one, uh, we normally find that ELO is more consistent, but actually it's their FIFA ranking that's been more consistent at kind of the 130 mark. Uh, they're one seventeenth in ELO, um, which was a rise from one forty seventh, so a rise of thirty places, um, basically the last uh, three years. Yeah, I mean, a uh, hundred and seventh in uh, in June twenty twenty two. I guess uh, the ELO rankings were a bit um, reactive there, uh, pushing them up almost thirty points in the course of a year, uh, but maybe maybe giving them too much credit for their success because it was at the lower levels of the uh, UEFA uh, Nations League there. Yeah, that's the only thing that would have justified a rise because their recent qualification performances were, were very poor. Mm -hmm. All right, well, let's take a look at the head-to-head -head record among these teams. So we uh, will go through this pretty quickly. Uh, Croatia and Wales. Croatia has a record of three wins, one draw, zero losses. And actually, both of those are fairly recent in uh, 2014 and 2020. Uh, the tie was actually in the most recent game they played, uh, the away leg in, um, uh, in Wales. Uh, they tied 1-1, otherwise uh, Croatia has won all games. Croatia and Armenia have never met. Uh, Croatia and Turkey have a record, uh, uh, Croatia with the winning record there, three wins, two draws, and two losses, so a fairly even record. And in 2018, uh, World Cup qualifying, Turkey actually got the better of Croatia, so they have the uh, momentum uh, coming into this over Croatia. 
uh, with Latvia, Croatia has won four and uh, never tied or lost to them. Last time they met was in 2012. Uh, interestingly, Wales and Armenia have an even record that is uh, two ties. The only time they met was in 2002. So it's a bit outdated, but an interesting one uh, nonetheless. Uh, Wales and Turkey. Well, Wales has the better record with four wins, one draw and two losses. And their last meeting was in the 2020 Euro Cup group stage. Uh, Wales won that 2-0. Uh, Wales and Latvia have never met. And Armenia and Latvia have never met. Turkey holds a uh, the superior record over Armenia, but they've only met once, and that was in 2010 World Cup qualifying, where Turkey won both legs. And finally, uh, Turkey and Latvia have an uh, interestingly even record. Get this, it's um, four, uh, one win, four draws, and one loss. So uh, Latvia, despite being a bit of an inferior team there, seemed to uh, have Turkey's number to a degree. Yeah. Uh, any observations there, Connor? Well, the most significant meeting would have been that 2004 Euro Cup qualifying playoff, which, as we saw, Latvia um, best bested Turkey in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But in uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying, uh, they tied 3 3 uh, in Turkey. So that is a bit interesting there, too. Okay, well, let's take a look at the odds of these groups. We know the. Um, uh we know the uh pot numbers um i don't know if you have anything to say about whether they come from the bottom or the top of their pots or whether that's significant yeah so i guess croatia were ranked second but that was because of their their nations league performance yeah um, it also assured that croatia would be in a group of five and not six so that they'd have time to play um their nations league final four right um, Wales come from the middle of pot two. Um, Armenia are the lowest rank of all pot three teams. Mm. Um, and then Turkey are the third rank of pot four teams. So they're actually pretty close, um, as we saw 31st and 35th, uh, respectively, in Europe. Um, and then Latvia, there's actually only five teams um, in Europe ranked below Latvia, uh, those being Moldova, Malta, Andorra, San Marino, and Liechtenstein. Um, so Latvia... Um, actually, even behind Gibraltar, so they're, uh, um, yeah, third, third bottom out of the ten teams in pot five. All right. Well, I have gathered together some uh, odds from betting sites. Not that uh, we're encouraging betting, um, but it's just that it's kind of good to see what the odds makers are thinking. And uh, do you want to take us through uh, what the odds are for each team to win the group? Yeah, so for Croatia, it's 55%, so slightly more than half. Uh, Wales and Turkey are very even, and actually Turkey um, are slightly ahead. They're at 29%, whereas Wales are 26%. And as we showed in ELO there, they're ranked identically, so mm -hmm. um, not surprised that the odds are similar. Armenia have just a 1% chance of winning the group, and Latvia 0.1%, um, so at the bottom. Yeah. Well, Latvia has done it before, so uh, maybe they should give them slightly higher odds, maybe 0.2% here. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into a bit of a discussion, and maybe a good place to start is with the, uh, is with the momentum. 
Uh, I said at the beginning that uh, form is going to be really important here because uh, teams seem to, to have different momentum. Uh, do you have a sense of uh, each team? Do you want to do you want to talk to that, or or do you want me to? Sure, I'll, I'll start, but you can you can fill in. So um, obviously, Croatia are, are on the highs of their World Cup semi-finals and they're winning their Nations League group. Um, we've we've mentioned, of course, some doubts about. Um, some older players retiring, but there are a number of those players still. It's not it's not a flood of retirements. So you'd have to say they're in, um, you know, in good form. Um, Wales again, also with the retirement of Gareth Bale being a huge loss, um, they seem to be on a bit of a downward momentum um, with a poor World Cup performance and poor Nations League results. Um, and then Turkey, on the opposite, are 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 kind of on the up. They've had some good nearly qualifying campaigns and have a good crop of young players. Um, in terms of Armenia and Latvia, um, Armenia have done well to be a pot three team. So there's there's a little bit of upward momentum for them. And and for Latvia, they seem to have fallen um, kind of among like the weakest teams of Europe. So um, they, you know, the chance of an upset like we saw in 2004 seems kind of increasingly remote. Yeah. Well, that did come out of the blue, but you know, it, it's it's nothing that you can really expect to happen again. They showed no signs of it then. They show no signs of it now. I mean, I think they have a little bit of momentum uh, having won their nation's league group, but that's you know that's pretty uh, basement level uh, momentum. Maybe they won't be a feeble team. Maybe they'll uh, earn a couple of points, a couple of ties, or something, but. Um, you know, certainly not enough that's going to make them a challenger uh, in this group. Uh, if we go back to Croatia, um, I'm a little worried about Croatia, and I know I kind of got in trouble. We kind of got in trouble from Croatian fans about talking about their aging, but I got to reiterate it here and say, like, I, I, I don't think they'll have any problem qualifying for this cup, but I would be a bit worried about uh, I mean, for me, the issue is like the main players, um, Ivanovic and, and Kramaric and, and stuff like that. I'm not sure they're going to, you know, really make it to the to the 2024 uh, Euro Cup. I think they'll carry them through qualifying. Mm -hmm. But um, whether they'll actually, you know, uh, be as big at the Cup as they were uh, at the 2022 World Cup. Now, it may be that Croatian fans know that there are players uh, backing them up who can come in and replace them, uh, which we wouldn't know. But what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, there hasn't been the wave of retirements. Even Modric hasn't retired at 37. So they seem to be sticking around. But you're right, the, the actual tournament is still a year and a half away. Maybe that will be the last the last tournament for the golden generation. Um, or again, maybe they'll, by that point, have had to um, bring in young players and I think this qualification will kind of see right see what how they do if they're able to bring in more players and start start building that new generation I mean qualification is always a time to uh, to build towards the next tournament yeah I think even if they are starting those uh, those players who are in their 30s they'll definitely have to um, you know and maybe they have but they'll definitely have to have uh, uh, strong players in backup positions for those guys, yeah. uh, those guys. But um, uh, I, I don't see any any difficulty in qualification beyond you know they can be relied on to drop a couple of points 
in the campaign, but uh, I don't think it'll challenge their, their top place position here. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, you talked about the retirement of Gareth Bale for Wales, and, and I definitely agree with you that that's kind of downward momentum uh, for them. I think they maybe need a bit of time to to get over that and kind of settle settle down to the business of, you know, at their best, they might have challenged Croatia. I think that's out of the question now. Yeah, I see them as a step below and, and perhaps kind of going away from competing with top tier teams and being kind of a, you know, a clearly second tier team. I, I think the danger is, I even though Bale was only one player, there were so many times where he produced that moment of magic or or found the goal, you know, that, that broke a tie or that earned them a point they wouldn't have earned otherwise. Wales don't score a lot of goals. They're a very good defensive team, but I, I fear that they could fall into some more ties or, or failing to win games, um, you know, without that kind of that game changer in their squad. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that's going to make uh, Turkey a bit difficult for them here. I think, um, you know, on average, Turkey and Wales are quite even, but, but um uh, I think really Turkey, you know, Wales is a bit up and down where I, I think Turkey is just generally a stronger team. They usually finish second uh, in their qualification groups. Yeah, um, and and in both their Euro 2020 qualifying and their World Cup 2022 qualifying, they only lost one game of 10. Wow. So, you know, they're, yeah, it's, it's resulted in second places, but they're a good qualifying team or have been recently. So, um, yeah, I think they're evenly matched. But, um, again, maybe that, that momentum would, you know, might see them finish ahead of Wales, even as a fourth seed. Yeah, we didn't do a player podcast uh, uh, like we did for the teams that were in the World Cup. But even, you know, a uh, kind of a glance at their squad suggests uh, uh, a, a pretty bright squad. Like, they look like they have good players coming in here whereas uh, Wales is is kind of moving in the other direction so uh you know it's it's like I said at the beginning really how their form comes into play uh seems to to be what will dictate everything yeah what do you think of Armenia who are of course the third place the third of the pot three team well like you said like they did have a bit of momentum but I almost feel like that has passed uh, and now they're kind of going back to the level that they were at. And I think Mictarian's retirement, um, kind of like uh, e even more so than Bale's retirement for Wales, will uh, be a big adjustment for them. Um, I think it's ridiculous that they were a pot three team here. And I think um, I think that'll pro prove out. How about you? Yeah, I, I think they're good enough to take points off teams, yeah. um, even home or away. Um, and they've done that in recent campaigns, but I don't see them picking up enough points to really challenge for second place. Yeah, I mean, in, in the write-ups, I often divide teams into, you know, spoilers or challengers. And, you know, will they challenge uh, for third place here or will they just uh, have some spoiler results? And I think you called it there. I think they will have some spoiler results, but won't really be challenging for third place. It might even be uh, if Latvia does, uh, does. I mean, Latvia has come out, as we said, out of a period that bordered on being feeble, back to maybe being a spoiler team themselves. Uh, if, if things go badly for Armenia, they could be 
fighting with Latvia at the bottom of the table uh, yeah. to avoid last place. How possible do you think that is? Um, I think Armenia will will be ahead of Latvia. Um, I see Latvia as less capable of spoilers uh, in this group, um, and I and I think some of their recent campaigns they have proved. Uh, quite feeble, whereas Armenia do have, you know, at least some momentum. Um, so I think, um, you know, if, if Latvia, um, you know, I think they'll, you know, Armenia will be the best chance for them to get points, but I don't, I don't really see them picking up points against some of the other teams, whereas Armenia does have more of that spoiler capacity, as you, as you said. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree with you there. I would be a bit surprised. Uh, to see Armenia finish last. Okay, well, we're going to move on to a section that I've been looking forward to. Uh, you uh, have have uh, looked at the results, but I haven't allowed myself to. So we're going to go through the March games, um, and I'm going to uh, uh, tell you what I predicted. And, All right. Uh, oh. Yeah. All right, so we'll start with Armenia at home to Turkey. Okay, I'll just put it up on the graphic here. And uh, here's what I think about that. Um, I think uh, Turkey will be annoyed <laughs> that Armenia was seated ahead of them. So I think they'll be anxious to uh, to show that that was a dreadful mistake here. And um, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I think there's an outside possibility of a tie with Armenia at home. But uh, I think Turkey is going gonna, is gonna to show that they're a better team. And you are correct. It was a close game. It was uh, finished 2-1 for Turkey. Um, Turkey actually coming from behind, but um, managing to grab all three points. All right. I didn't give a score there, but I want to prove to you that my my prediction was 2-1 uh, here. I'll just show it on the graphic. See, it says 2-1 Turkey. All right. All right. Well, the next game is Croatia and Wales. They're kind of a... An interesting game, but I think it would have been more interesting four years ago uh, when Wales was looking good. So be interesting to see uh, the effect it has on Wales that Bale is gone. Uh, meanwhile, the Croatia is coming out with tremendous momentum from the World Cup, and they're very strong at home uh, anyway. So I think um, it's too big an ask for Wales to to get much out of this game. 2 nothing Croatia. Um, there were two goals scored, but they were split. Um, <gasps> Wales got a draw. Wales's goal came in the 93rd minute, um, which may have been their first shot on goal. I actually watched the game, and um, to be fair, Croatia were totally dominant all game and really should have um, won by more, but they just never were able to put Wales away. And, um, yeah, Wales scored broadhead on his debut, so 1-1 there. A fabulous wow. result for Wales. I'm delighted uh, with that. Actually, Croatia, we saw, is a bit weaker in Euro play than in, in World Cup play. But at home, uh, I still think that's a shocking result. Okay, well, that was the first two games. The next one is Turkey versus Croatia. So I see this as a crucial game, uh, especially now with... Um, with that tie against Wales, I think Turkey could make a bid for first place here. And again, everything seems to come down to form. Um, I'm going to call this a 1-1 draw. Uh, Croatia um, actually made up for their draw, and they won 2-0 on the road. So a, a good statement game for them to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not a shock there. And uh, 
I guess that speaks a little bit to Turkey's form. Perhaps I'm hoping for too much uh, from Turkey, but still uh, an interesting battle with Wales um, throughout this campaign. Last game is Wales versus Latvia. So, uh, you know, Wales uh, sometimes drop the ball in situations like this. They, they have. We saw some of their quirky results in their history. But uh, I wouldn't predict it, but I, I'm braced for the possibility of it. I'm going to say 2 nothing Wales, though. Uh, Wales did win. It was one nothing. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a classic Wales results. They do win a lot of games one nothing, whether against, you know, big teams or small teams, um, partly because they don't score, but it was, um, they kept the clean sheet and uh, won one nothing. All right. Well, where does that uh, leave us in the table? Do you have that info in front of you? I do. So it puts Croatia and Wales with four points, uh, Turkey with three, and then Armenia and Latvia with zero. Though Armenia and Latvia have both only played one game. Oh, yes. Okay. Very exciting. Uh, okay. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Do you have uh, something to add? No, just want to know if you have predictions for the uh, final table. Oh, yeah. Uh, good. Uh, well, my my initial prediction was Croatia, Turkey, Wales, Armenia, and Latvia. And I did think it, it might be a bit of a battle between Wales, again, kind of coming down to form. I didn't think Croatia would have uh, trouble in qualifying. Uh, you know, I see uh, a bit of a problem, uh, the aging problem for the 2024 Cup. Uh, how about you? I actually agree with you. Um... I mean, Wales, you, you know, you think might have the edge given they drew Croatia away and Turkey lost to them at home in that battle for second place. But I, I do think Croatia will win the group. Um, I think Wales, yeah, have a fighting chance in second, um, though I initially favored Turkey. And then, yeah, Armenia and Latvia rounding up the group. Yeah, I got to say, of course, you know, uh, having lived in Wales, I would love to see them uh, uh, advance to the thing. But I, I do think uh, Turkey's going to win out. Uh, win out here okay well in conclusion I should say uh, stay tuned because we have a bit of an outro giving some of the uh, information about our podcast that we sometimes gave at the beginning uh, in previous series uh, so stay tuned and uh, you can hear about um, series that we've done that are still relevant like the African Cup and uh, that's it for this group and we will see you for group E all right, see you next time. All right, we'll finish the podcast today with a look back on what we have covered until now, with a particular focus on which media casts are still relevant. Uh, following that, no wait, prior to that, we're going to look at what is upcoming over the rest of the year, because I think that uh, may be of more interest. So uh, we'll put a graphic up with all of this information, both uh, past, current and present, on the YouTube version. And we'll also include it in the show notes. So um, let's take a look at upcoming series. So right now we're on series 14. And I'll give a bit more information about that too. But Series 15 will be a shorter version of Series 14, the uh, 2024 Euro qualifying series. So rather than the detailed history, uh, it'll have a short summary of each team in the group and a section on their recent form. So from there, uh, part three of Series 14 
uh, will be the same in both the short and long series. That's a comparison of teams through rankings, odds and head-to-head records, as well as Kevin O'Connor's discussion and ending with a review of the first two sets of games that were played in March 2023. Uh, After this uh, Euro 2024 qualifying, 16 and 17, series 16 and 17 will be a preview of the 2023 Gold Cup. Uh, That tournament is set to start on June 24th, 2023. So we plan to put out uh, those podcasts or those media casts in late May or early June. So series 16 will focus on the groups and teams and series 17 will focus on the players of each team. Uh, Qualification is actually taking place through the CONCACAF uh, Nations League currently, uh, but we don't intend to do a series on qualification for the CONCACAF Gold Cup there. Uh, During the summer, we are planning a series on uh, CONCACAF, that's a South American World Cup 2026 qualifying. That begins in September 2023. Uh, We also may get an early start on Asian Cup 2023, Uh, although that's due to start uh, later in January 2024. Uh, In the fall, we're going to preview the early rounds of AFC World Cup 2026 qualifying. Uh, That'll take place in October and November, so we'll do it uh, prior to that. And this will actually give us a first look at some of the weaker teams in the Asian region, which we haven't covered uh, yet. Uh, Also, we will preview the 2023 African Cup. Uh, It is called that even though it's due to start in January 2024. So those are the upcoming series. And now let's take a look at our current series. So the current media cast. We call it a media cast because it's available with visuals on YouTube and it's available as a podcast. Uh, And you can find it on most podcast catchers or on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. We'll also put up a graphic uh, uh, with that on it. Um, So the current series is Series 14, and that's a preview of the groups in Euro 2024 qualifying. And this gives us a chance to get to know teams that uh, don't often make it to the tournaments. So it features a deep dive into the Euro Cup qualifying histories of the team. And uh, we started actually after the first round of games in March 2023 to make it a bit more interesting. So as uh, mentioned, we'll follow that with uh, Series 15. That's a shortened version of Euro 2024 qualifying um, because some members of the audience don't want such a deep dive. Now let's look back at our previous media cast series. I think they're still relevant to various degrees. And... uh, Well, they tend to be relevant uh, in reverse order, so we'll actually kind of go backwards in time here. So Series 10 to 13 were all based on the 2022 World Cup. Series 10 was an eight-part group-by-group preview of the 14 groups in the tournament. It featured a deep dive into the World Cup finals history of each team. Series 11 was a 32-part team-by-team preview of players in World Cup 2022. So we didn't know at the time which players would be selected. So we went through uh, the candidates for each position and gave information about them. So that'll still be relevant for a lot of the teams. Uh, Series 12 actually featured uh, shortened versions 
of each of series 10 and 11. So a shorter version on the teams and on the players. And then thir series 13 was a 25 part review or uh, update of the team by team uh, players podcast. And it was published after the teams had selected their squads for the finals. So it went through the candidates that we had discussed in series 11 and introduced any new players that made it to the final squad. Unfortunately, we unfortunately we ran out of time before finishing all 32 teams. And I particularly regret that in the case of Ghana, because they brought a lot of new players in that were not considered in our Series 11 preview uh, of the Ghana players. Anyway, these World Cup podcasts, especially the player ones, are still relevant because the squads haven't changed that much. Uh, we will be doing future player podcasts before each major tournament. So uh, going back before that, Series 9 is actually probably the most relevant. It was a 12-part preview of the uh, African Cup 2023 qualifying groups. Um, it's still called African Cup 2023. It was originally set to take place that year or this year, I should say, but now it's been moved to January 2024. Um, so qualification games were also postponed and uh, the qualification is still unfinished. So uh, as I said, that makes it uh, still quite relevant. Series 7 and 8 were both based on the 2021 African Cup, which took place in January 2022. Uh, that's good for a look at some of the smaller African teams who made it to the expanded cup. Uh, series 7 was a six-part overview of the teams in African Cup 2021 uh, or in 2022. It's confusing. <laughs> it's still called African Cup 2021, but it took place in in January 2022. Uh, while the overviews were repeated in Series 9, this did feature, uh, feature a deep dive into the African Cup Finals history of the participants. Um, okay, uh, Series 8 was a 24-part team-by-team uh, preview of the players for the African Cup. Uh, for the African teams that made the 2022 World Cup, uh, the player podcasts will be updated, uh, but for the smaller teams, they won't be. So for many teams, it remains the uh, most relevant. And uh, it has soccer information that doesn't seem to exist uh, in other media casts, as far as I know. Okay, uh, I'm moving back before that. Series 4 and 6 uh, focused on the CONCACAF regions, specifically the 18 final round of qualifying for the 2022 World Cup. Um, series 4 was an eight-part look at each team and their players in the final round, and it featured a deep dive into each team's World Cup qualification history. It also had a team-by-team -team preview of the players uh, in CONCACAF there. Uh, it really should have been a separate series number, to be honest. But nevertheless, the current players on the squad were examined uh, for each of the eight teams. Uh, series 6 was a mid-round update of that CONCACAF uh, 2022 World Cup qualifying campaign. So uh, Series 4 and 6 kind of go together. Okay, Series 5, that's in between the two CONCACAF series. Um, was a preview of the Asian uh, World Cup qualifying final round. 
So this was just a two-part series on each of the 16 groups that made it to the final round of World Cup qualifying in the Asian region. So this remains relevant for all Asian teams that didn't reach the World Cup, but for Iran, Japan, South Korea, and Saudi Arabia as Series 10 uh, in their World Cup um, introduction is more current. Series 3 was a four-part preview for the groups for Gold Cup 2021 in the CONCACAF region and this remains relevant for some of the smaller teams in the tournament but again those who participated in the World Cup um, uh, were updated um, after that. Series 2 uh, was a two-part preview of the groups for Copa America 2021 in the South American region. So that again remains relevant for the smaller teams in the region, but the teams that made the World Cup were updated in Series 10. And our first series uh, was a preview of the 2020 Euro Cup played in 2021. Again, uh, teams that reached the 2022 World Cup were updated there. Um, and it, it did feature a deep dive into uh, Euro Cup finals history. So, um, uh, again, for the smaller teams that uh, we haven't covered since, it remains relevant. Okay, I think that brings us to the end. So, uh, keep your eye out for the graphics on the show notes or uh, on the YouTube. And I hope to join us for the upcoming series and uh, even go back and review some of the old series until we update them again. Bye-bye.